Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast. Book 6, Chapter 24. Andre trusts Pierre to steer any concerns of Natasha's in Andre's absence, referring to his heart of gold. Often. Do you think Andre missed Pierre's bitterness towards his happiness? Do you think Andre is correct in trusting Pierre's motivations and mood? I think so. I think Pierre's a good friend above all else. Um, this is the second time now that Natasha has seemingly bounced back after feeling morose at Andre's disappearance. Do you think this is some kind of foreshadowing? What do you think this could mean for their relationship? Ruhal the Invader says, Andre and Natasha right now are like those couples who want to try long distance to evaluate the strength of their love, but they really have doubts of their faithfulness. I feel like Andre is making Pierre be a stand-in because he anticipates Natasha's having doubts. This is never good, especially with the turmoil in Pierre's personal life. Also, considering the fact that Natasha had a crush on Pierre when she was a teenager, Andre, my man, this might not end well for you. I don't think it is foreshadowing. You feel down when you when someone you love moves on, and a few days later, things go back to normal. Um, uh, what was I going to say then? I had a thought. Eh, it's gone. Nicolee says, The Andre and Pierre dynamic is interesting. Part of what makes Andre nervous about his relationship with Natasha is the age difference. I believe Pierre is around his age, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'm not sure I entirely understand the final line. Does this mean she's hardened herself to the pain of not having Andre around and matured from the head over heels initial reaction, similar to how a child who gets up after a long illness might have appeared to physically age very quickly? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Good question. Uh, but a fortnight... This is the final line. But a fortnight after his departure to the surprise of those around her, she recovered from her mental sickness just as suddenly as she became her old self again, with, but with a change in her moral physiognomy as a child gets up after a long illness with a changed expression of face. I guess it just means that you get used to the way they look when they're sick and then when they feel better, when they're better, they almost feel like a different person. You forget how they used to be. Something like that? Maybe. I don't know. Book 6, Chapter 25, I believe is what we're up to, and I'm going to read it to you. That's what I'm going to do. Here it goes. During that year, after his son's departure, Prince Nicholas Bolkonsky's health and temper became much worse. He grew still more irritable, and it was Princess Mary who generally bore the brunt of his frequent fits of unprovoked anger. He seemed, carefully, to seek out her tender spots so as to torture her mentally as harshly as possible. Princess Mary had two passions and consequently two joys, her nephew, little Nicholas, and religion, and these were the favourite subjects of the prince's attacks and ridicule. Whatever was spoken of the of he would bring around to the superstitiousness of old maids, or the petting and spoiling of children. You want to make him, little Nicholas, into an old maid like yourself, a pity. Prince Andre wants a son and not an old maid, he would say. Or turning to Mademoiselle Boreen, he would ask her in Princess Mary's presence how she liked our village priests and icons and would joke about them. He continually hurt Princess Mary's feelings and tormented her, but it cost her no effort to forgive him. Could he be to blame for toward her, or could her father, whom she knew loved her in spite of it all, be unjust? And what is justice? The princess never thought of that proud word, justice, all the complex laws of men censored for her in one clear and simple law, the law of love and self-sacrifice, taught us by him who lovingly su suffered for mankind, though he himself was God. What she had 
What had she to do with the justice or injustice of other people? She had to endure and love, and that she did. During the winter, Prince Andre had come to Bald Hills, and he and had been gay, gentle, and more affectionate than Princess Mary had known him for a long time past. She felt that something had happened to him, but he said nothing to her about his love. Before he left, he had a long talk with his father about something, and Princess Mary noticed that before his departure, they were satisfied with one another. Soon after Prince Andre had gone, Princess Mary wrote to her friend Julie Caragina in Pittsburgh, whom she had dreamed, as all girls dreamed, of marrying to her brother, and who was at that time in mourning for her own brother, killed in Turkey. Sorrow, it seems, is our common lot, my dear, tender friend Julie. Your loss is so terrible that I can only explain it to myself as a special providence of God who, loving you, wishes to try you and your excellent mother. Oh, my friend, religion and religion alone can, I will not say comfort us, but save us from despair. Religion alone can explain to us what without its help man cannot comprehend. Why? For what caused kind and noble beings able to find happiness in life, not merely harming no one but necessary to the happiness of others, are called away to God, while cruel, useless, harmful persons, or such as are a burden to themselves and to others, are left living. The first death I saw, and one I shall never forget, that of my dear sister-in-law, left that impression on me. Just as you asked destiny why your splendid brother had to die, so I asked why that angel Lisa, who not only never wronged anyone, but in whose soul there were never any unkind thoughts, had to die. And what do you think, dear friend? Five years have passed since then, and already I, with my petty understanding, begin to see clearly why she had to die, and in what way that death was but an expression of the infinite goodness of the Creator, whose very action, every action, though generally incomprehensible to us, is but a manifestation of his infinite love for his creatures. Perhaps I often think she was too angelically innocent to have the strength to perform all a mother's duties. As a young wife, she was irreproachable. Perhaps she could not have been so as a mother. As it is, not only has she left us, and particularly Prince Andre, with the purest regrets and memories, but probably she will there receive a place I dare not hope for myself. But not to speak of her alone, that early and terrible death has had the most beneficent influence on me and on my brother in spite of all our grief. Then, at the moment of our loss, these thoughts could not occur to me. I should then have dismissed them with horror, but now they are very clear and certain. I write all this to you, dear friend, only to convince you of the gospel truth which has become for me a principle of life. Not a single hair of our heads will fall without his will. And his will is governed only by infinite love for us, and so whatever befalls us is for our good. You ask whether we shall spend next winter in Moscow. In spite of my wish to see you, I do not think so, and do not want to do so. You will be surprised to hear that the reason for this is Bonaparte. The case is this. My father's health is growing noticeably worse. He cannot stand any contradiction and is becoming irritable. This irritability is, as you know, chiefly directed to political questions. He cannot endure the notion that Bonaparte is negotiating on equal terms with all the sovereigns of Europe, and particularly with his, our own, the grandson, grandson of, the Ma, of the great Catherine. As you know, I am quite indifferent to politics, but from my father's remarks and his talks with Michael Ivanovich, I know all that goes on in the world, and especially about the honours conferred on Bonaparte, who only at Bald Hills in the whole world, it seems, is not accepted as a great man, still less as Emperor of France. 
and my father cannot stand this, it seems to me that it is chiefly because of his political views that my father is reluctant to speak of going to Moscow, for he foresees the encounters that would result from his way of expressing his views regardless of anybody. All the benefit he might derive from a course of treatment he would lose as a result of the disputes about Bonaparte, which would be inevitable. In any case, it will be decided very shortly. Our family life goes on in the old way, except for my brother Andre's absence. He, as I wrote to you before, has changed very much of late. After his sorrow, he only this year quite recovered his spirits. He has again become, as I used to know him when I was a child, kind, affectionate, that heart of gold to which I know no equal. He has realised, it seems to me, that life is not over for him, but together with this mental change he has grown physically much weaker. He has become thinner and more nervous. I am anxious about him and glad he is taking this trip abroad, which the doctors recommended long ago. I hope it will cure him. You write that in Petersburg he is, off, he is spoken of as one of the most active, cultivated and capable of the young men. Forgive my vanity as a relation, but I never doubted it. The good he has done to everybody here, from his peasants to up to the gentry, is incalculable. On his arrival in Petersburg, he received only his due. I always wonder at the way rumours fly from Petersburg to Moscow, especially such false ones as that you write about. I mean, to report of my brother's betrothal to the little Rostova. I do not think my brother will ever marry again, and certainly not her. And this is why, first, I know that though he rarely speaks about the wife he lost... The grief of that loss has gone too deep in his heart for him to ever to dis, for him ever to decide to give her a successor and our little angel a stepmother. Secondly, because as far as I know, that girl is not the kind of girl who could please Prince Andre. I do not think he would choose her for a wife, and frankly I do not wish it. But I am running on too long and am at the end of my second sheet. Goodbye, dear friend. May God keep you in his holy and mighty care. My dear friend, Mademoiselle Boreen, sends you kisses, Mary. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, there we go. There's another chapter for you. Mary, not really into the whole Andre-Natasha thing. Mm, interesting. All right, have your say on the subreddit. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you tomorrow.